one of those things that you know you just i i just treated the music with respect i tried to yeah yeah you know if there were songs he would bring up older songs sometimes kim would and <laughs> i would really i would learn them you know I, i would i would try to learn what the pre you know whether it was roger earl or yeah. whoever was behind drums i tried to uh learn that pattern now i would break away from it you know kim would would often say oh no you know it's cool you know get the basic format down but mm -hmm. you can put your you can put your own signature on it you know he, he didn't really on this episode of playtime drummer garnet grimm talks about the new album from savoy brown and the band's future after the passing of founding member kim simmons i'm your host wc turk Unless you're obsessed by music, as I am, you might have missed the passing of a legend in December 2022. Few bands in history have proved as prolific and influential as Savoy Brown, piloted by the late singer-songwriter and guitar player Kim Simmons. Savoy Brown launched innumerable careers from Foghat's Lonesome Dave Peverett to Bill Bruford, who went on to form Yes. Many others joined the band over almost six decades. Always, there was Kim Simmons and that indefatigable guitar. But if you thought the loss of Simmons was the end of the band, as well as for Simmons, guess again. As Neil Young once said, rock and roll never dies. And the great blues guitarist Buddy Guy once said, blues musicians don't retire, they drop. Garnet Grimm <laughs> has been the drummer for Savoy Brown since 2009, appearing on nearly one third of Savoy Brown's, get this, 45 albums work, which includes some of the band's most underrated albums and arguably some of the band's very best work. Savoy Brown's latest album, Blues All Around, released in February, features the work of my guest, drummer Garnet Grimm. Welcome, man. 
And, thank you. Thanks for having me. And, and so let me first offer my condolences on the loss of, of a friend and a colleague. I didn't want that to, to get away from us. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pretty tough time. Uh, surreal, really. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, we were pretty close uh, over the last nearly uh, about 14 years. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, we used to talk and text all the time, and I still keep thinking I'm going to get a text or a phone call from Kim, and uh, you know, and uh, so yeah, it's been a little tough. But so uh, thank you. We're so we're we're gonna we're gonna talk in detail about about Kim uh, and a little bit about his passing. But but first, I I wanted to start off and get and give my audience a picture. Of of you and your work and and how you began, if that uh, if that works out, alright for you. Yeah, so uh, I I first met Kim in uh, around 1999. Uh -huh. and I was invited by by a, a mutual friend to go do a recording that had nothing to do with Sarah Brown, but it was a solo project that Kim was working on. Just ironically, uh, that day. I went out to Kim's studio, and Pat DeSalvo was playing bass that day. Oh, no kidding! And, wow. Uh, yeah. So the three of us, the three of I, I had known Pat from other bands in the area that I live in. We live in, but uh, and I was well aware of Kim's past. Of you know his, gee whiz! By the time I met him, he had already had a, a great career, and uh, you know he was well known. So, uh, but we all hit it up as friends. Two things came out of that day, I like to say, and that was uh -huh. uh, a, re a recording uh, for uh, called Blues Like Midnight, uh, an acoustic record that uh, Tim put out, and uh -huh. uh, a budding a budding friendship which lasted all the way to the present time. Nice, nice. Um, so so I could I could I could ask you how cool it was joining a band that was making albums when you and I were kids. Uh, songs yep. like Tell Mama and Hellbound Train. Um, but but I'm going to ask you this. Your dad, who was also a drummer, what yeah. was his reaction when he heard that you that you joined Savoy Brown? I think the, I think the, the one word he said to me was, really? Quit my job. Ain't got no money. Seems I have to leave this town. Pack my bag. Run to the station. Savoy Brown album. I can't remember which one it is just now, but we had it on eight track. I remember that. Wow. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, so he had it. So I would 
you know, listen to whatever was going on with, uh, with him. So that was my first exposure. And that had to be 1970 or something like that. 71. Okay. Right okay. In there, that, that so what, it would have been one of those, was, those first three albums. Yeah. The early, early ones. So, um, yeah. And, uh, so, the, you know, I, I was, we were totally, he was totally, uh, you know, knew what was, what was going on and he, uh -huh. he was like no kidding that's great so he he was very happy for me so it was great for me to uh because it's kind of like i played with one of my heroes for all of these years you know? yeah yeah um what what first attracted you to the drums was it your dad's playing or yes you know it's one of those weird things that i i think it's just i got that that gene i don't know i got that it's in my dna i mean of <laughs> course my father my father we always had music around the house drum there was always a drum set in the house set up so probably that in and of itself is a little unusual for for kids i mean i can yeah. never remember a time when there wasn't drums in my house and uh but you know one story i tell people every once in a while is uh -huh. It, when I was in school, for example, I can remember this uh, janitor that would come walking down the hall and I would I would hear the, the rhythm of his keys jiggling in his pocket as he was walking down the hall. And, yeah. And I would I would remember kind of I'd try to play that rhythm, you know, so it was always kind of that kind of stuff uh, that would just uh, pokes its head out at you. That That's how you know you're. You're a drummer, and 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 I also feel like I can't imagine my life without it. You know, yeah, it's just been yeah. so it's been so much part of my life uh, that I, I feel so fortunate to be able to do it for so long. And uh, I, I love that story about about the keys. And so I'm I'm finishing up a book about it's it's called the history of life for the artist, where I follow. I follow the ascension of the arts from from the beginning of time through through to the uh, uh, the Reformation and, and Enlightenment. And wow. one of the arguments that I make, and and I, I've I've argued this time and again with with scholars when we were doing the radio show, they like to think that that music wasn't a part of people's lives outside of outside of church cathedrals and gregorian chants uh and but but i've always countered that and and truly believed that music was always a part of our lives and a significant part of our lives and that it comes from the rhythm of the things and the melodies of the things around us in nature uh, a thunderstorm rain the howling wind the rustling through uh, a, a wind through the leaves and grass and 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 your your story about the keys and hearing those keys man that that just resonates w with with that oh yeah i i definitely think it that's interesting that you're that you're you've done that study um i definitely believe that um you know it's been a significant part of culture for for since man has been on the earth uh, yeah i agree with you i mean yeah i mean uh i mean I, I think historians need to look at it a little closer because i think you know there's there's yeah. definitely a rhythm to life 
know? Yep. So, yeah. and I, I think that percussionists and drummers in particular pick up on that rhythm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, I remember when my wife was pregnant for both of our children, uh, we would get sonograms and you could hear the blood thing and you could hear the, you know, that uh, that's the beginnings of the rhythm of life, you know, you, yeah. could, you could hear that, you know, so. Yeah. And, and they've, they've shown that that children pick up on the rhythm of their of their mother's voice. They, even if they can't understand it, they still and, and, and they'll recognize that immediately after birth. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so th this kind of dovetails into the blues a little bit. We, we come from a storytelling culture. And I, I've always believed and, and I've, I've shown it in the book as best as I can, that African and indigenous tribal rhythms, these call and response work songs when when we were when we were a communal village sewing nets right. by hand or carving stones or or whittling wood or or reeds or what what have you these arduous difficult tasks are made much more uh much much more bearable through through yeah. music and rhythm and communal song and and that those are the inspirations behind blues music Oh, sure. Yeah. And those are the inspirations, uh, but uh, it, it comes from difficulties yeah. uh, in people's yeah. lives. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, that's why I always say that uh, there's a lot of truth in blues. And I always felt that. Absolutely. I, I always feel that, uh, you know, blues music is something that kind of, it almost finds you. I mean, uh -huh. uh, of course, you look for it and you 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 but but once it grabs you you know that blues bug it, it sort of it's just stuck in there and you can't i just gravitate towards it i always have um i love i love those uh those um the chord progressions and, the, yeah. and what what you can do with it um you know it's it, it's really it's amazing, you know. You got one, four, five, and twelve notes, but, uh -huh. but the possibilities are endless. You know. Yeah, no, I've I've had Paul Nelson on the show and Joe Lewis Walker, uh, Andy Watts, who's a who's a great uh, blues guitarist from Israel. A, a ton of of blues guitarists and musicians here in Chicago. We we we've got a friend who who put out an album that he recorded with Japanese blues artists and and. Uh, Subsequently, they've they've gone around the world and had a Nepalese blues uh, blues artist. A, a very very good friend of mine uh, is is a blues guitarist in Saudi Arabia, a Pakistani. Uh, oh, guy. no kidding! And no kidding. That there's there's just something about the blues that transcends borders and cultures, and and it's it it it's this passion, like you said. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, uh, with my travels with Kim, I mean, I have been able to see that. I mean, we've yeah. played in, I don't know how many different countries, but, yeah. you know, we went to Brazil and, uh -huh. you know, we, I've, been to, I've been to Japan with them all uh -huh. over the world. And, and uh, I can tell you that 
people love this music. It's just, uh, I think it's a very durable uh, form of music. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be around may, hopefully forever. It's very cyclical too. What I mean by that is it tends to, you know, it takes a back seat for a while to something mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden somebody will come along like, for example, Stevie Ray Vaughan and gives it a, gives it a shot in the arm back in the 80s and mm -hmm. 90s and all of a sudden I remember you were seeing blues revivals all over the country, you know. And, uh, yeah. So it kind of is cyclical like that. And uh, I think somebody, I think some young kid will probably run across some old records <laughs> so, sometime and all of a sudden there'll be another blues boom, you know. So, yeah, I, I just talked with a 28-year-old kid down in Texas, Clay Melton, uh, who's oh, yeah. doing some some really exciting stuff. Uh, and uh uh, and and he's got so uh, I, I've I've talked with Martin Barr and he talked about learning blues progressions when he was a young up and coming guitar player and and this kid Clay down in Texas man he he's got it down and, and he he's he's spouting he's spouting names of Stevie Ray Vaughan but he's spouting uh, spouting Robin Trower you oh, know yeah. the, these these sort of obscure um, or or maybe not household names. Uh, right. that uh, that have cut their teeth on the blues and yeah. and here's a here's a young kid uh, a young man who's who's coming along and uh, and taking it into his heart you uh so you joined the band in 2009 right right um, okay I can tell you a little bit about how that came about we I yeah told you about, I told you about 1999 and during yeah. that time him and Pat and myself had become friends and mm -hmm. um so we were familiar with each other and um Savoy uh Kim's bass player at the time uh was having some health issues so Kim mm -hmm. had approached Pat mm -hmm. and said could you do some dates with me he needed to do about a bunch of about a month so mm -hmm. uh Pat in turn called me and said hey I got to do these dates with Kim can you can you help me you know get up to speed so mm -hmm. I learned 90 minutes of Savoy Brown material and we all went out to Kim's studio and we wow. just kept practicing. Uh -huh. So it turned out that uh, uh, Pat was asked to join the band and then shortly after uh, they asked me to join. So wow. it, it wasn't kind of, it, it was kind of neat because it wasn't a traditional kind of, hey, can you, can you audition it? you know two o'clock on thursday it was more like hey you know we're all friends can we do this you know well it takes a little bit of the intimidation factor out out of yeah. the fact that you're playing with with a yeah a living rock and roll re le legend right absolutely absolutely yeah it, it was a little intimidating the first yeah. couple of gigs i did because it it, it you know it kind of hits you like wow okay <laughs> Uh, you know, we're, how how you know, do you how do you play how do you play to that that type of situation? Are you playing to the music? Are you playing for the man? Um, how how did how did you come to that? Well, I I really have always there's the way I've always approached it with Kim is yeah. I always felt like I, I never took it for granted. I was well mm -hmm. aware that I was benefiting from 
his years of hard work. You know, yeah, it was yeah. him and the, and the other people that were in this band. There was a lot of people in Savoy yeah. Brown, and uh, I always thought that you know it was lot their hard work that got the band its recognition. So by the time I got there, honestly. I felt like I wasn't really worthy, you know, but I was very gra- grateful that Kim asked me to do it. So, I well, you would have, you would work pretty hard as well in order to oh, get yeah. to that, that place. Um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure Kim could have had his pick of drummers. So yeah. that says a lot for, for you, brother. Oh yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. I worked hard. Um, and it was one of those things that, you know, you just, I, I just treated the music with respect. I tried to, yeah, yeah. you know, if there were songs, he would bring up older songs. Sometimes Kim would, and <laughs> I would really, I would learn them, you know, I, I would, I would try to learn what the pre, you know, whether it was Roger Earl or yeah. whoever was behind drums, I tried to uh, learn that pattern. Now I would break away from it. You know, Kim would, would often say oh no you know it's cool you know get the basic format down but Mm -hmm. you can put your you can put your own signature on it you know he he didn't really have a thing about that i mean there were there were some things he wanted to hear but if not you know i mean but if he he didn't mention it he would say hey do what you feel you know older songs in the in the format of okay. the song how it was recorded but when it came to the newer material i would try to put my own signature on it a little bit you know you you learn to to tune uh especially a snare but you you learn you learn to tune from listening to Stuart copeland from the police I, well that's definitely one of them yeah i was, yeah. i uh the first time I, the story uh, I tell is that the first time I kind of heard the police, I went, wow, how is he? And he, he's definitely got a different crack going on there. Yeah, what's, yeah. what's happening? So I would start goofing around with uh, with different tunings and ask people, how, how is he getting that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and and you get different advice, you know, well, no, you got to loosen the head on the bottom and crank the top head and blah, 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 you know. So, so, but then you also have every drum, I mean, is a little different. So you got to kind of play around with it till you, there's no, there's no one answer. It's just like you keep playing with it till you get it, you know. Yeah, yeah. um, so, you know, so yeah, that that was definitely, uh, I, and I, I did the same thing with my bass drum. I, 
I would hear, uh, you know, my my go-to guy for that was John Bonham. I would listen to John Bonham and go, man, that, it's like a cannon going off, you know? I mean, it's like, what is he doing, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I'd, I'd look at pictures. Back then there were no... Uh, you know, there wasn't no, there wasn't any YouTube or anything. So I would take the I'd look at the album covers and Circus Magazine or whatever. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I'd stare at I'd stare at is it what's he got in there? Is he got anything in there? What's you're you're not drumming in a stairwell, were you? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so the, but, those are things that come. But you me. you you get a nice a nice clean sound, and when you do a roll, um, you can hear every every beat every note um, oh, wow. it's just it's just crystal crystal clear and, and you and pat make a make a, a really dynamic and solid rhythm section uh behind oh, kim thank you. yeah what well, so so was that for the were, were you on the too much of a good thing album too much of a good thing. with uh, back in 2009 i the first record i was on was voodoo moon I think that was the the, the, the one album before. After. Yeah, oh, oh right, right. You're right. You're right. Two, uh, yeah, I, I believe so. Yes, and uh, uh, Voodoo Moon, and then everything after Voodoo Moon, I was on. So, uh, including the DVDs and the 50th anniversary, and so. I grew up on Savoy Brown. Uh, I think, like a lot of people, I missed quite a bit of of Savoy Brown's musical journey in the middle there. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, back in 2017, I picked up Witchy Feeling, um, in part because oh, I was yeah. reminded of a favorite Peter Green song, Hypnotized. story seems to come down from long ago Two friends having coffee together When something flies by their window It might be out on that lawn Which is wide at least half of the playing field Because there's no explaining Body, I know you hit 
more than 2015's uh, Devil to Pay um, and uh, and City Night, which uh, which was the the other side of of Witchy Feeling in 2019, right. which are which are great collections. Witchy Feeling felt like a single inspired thought as as one theme. Am I am I yeah getting that right? Well, that, that was something that Kim did quite often. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you look at the old days. And you looked at albums like Looking In. I mean, even even the artwork was, yep. you know, uh, had a theme to it. Your mama told me you had a gypsy street. If you feel so weak Why did you who do me? Why did you who do me? I'm in hands and chains Why did you who do me? Been your deep green Promising me. Yeah, he, he really did spend a lot of time on the music, uh, thinking about the music and, and uh, uh, how it was the order of how it was going to run. And I have to tell you, Witchy Feeling was one of those records that we were we happened to be touring quite a bit during that period and what uh -huh. would happen what would happen is him would often bring up a song that he was working on maybe we were traveling and then we started to rehearse them at soundcheck so i mean i could be wrong but i i think most of that album was rehearsed on the road so we were wow. we were playing all the time we were rehearsing it at soundcheck and then and then when Kim was comfortable enough with uh, one or two songs. He'd say, hey, let's put this one in the set and see what happens. By the time we went into the studio with that, I mean, it just it just clicked. I mean, we all knew we felt really good about it, uh, you know, uh, uh -huh. when it was happening. And we had a great uh, sound engineer, this guy, Ben Elliott. Unfortunately, we lost Ben during the COVID crisis. Oh. But Ben was... Um, had done a lot of people. Uh, he had recorded, I think he had recorded Clapton and he had recorded. Wow. Uh, yeah, a lot. I uh, He did, um, I mean, heavyweights, you know, Keith Richards, I know he did. Okay. So, so it would, he had a knack for, and he was a Savoy Brown fan, like, like us. He mm -hmm. had grown up on it, was very familiar with it. So he had a knack for how the band was was supposed to sound, if that makes sense. He he had yeah. an idea in his head, you know, like this is how it's supposed to sound, and mm -hmm. and it was uh, fantastic. He had some great ideas.
it's it's amazing how deftly Kim was able to play across so many different styles: Texas blues, Delta blues, right. Detroit, Chicago style, a little um, R and B, yeah, a little R and B, and 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 still push the envelope as a rock guitar player as well. He he was truly passionate about the blues. I'm I'm guessing from what you're saying, he lived, sleep, and ate the blues. He did, and. And man, he was an encyclopedia. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, there were people. I learned so much with Kim, and I, you know, I I was a big, I was a big blues fan before I joined the band. But yeah, I learned so much more from him just by his experiences. Mm-hmm. And he was someone that really studied it. You know, uh, you can tell on this new record. I mean, it opens up with uh, falling through the cracks and uh, yeah. And it's a it's a, like a front you know so you can imagine a guy sitting on the front porch uh, uh-huh. finger picking you know and stuff but i i uh because i mean acoustic players kind of have their own style and they study that style and yeah uh, but kim was i think you know he was using an an electric but he he approached it like a like it was an acoustic it was kind of cool how he did i'm I'm gonna go you one better and say that he approached it as if he was speaking through the guitar yeah it's cool yeah i like that well i think and i think this album uh, blues all around. He was trying to tell a story. I mean, uh, I think when you hear "Falling Through the Cracks," for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it starts with that and it ends with that. And uh, the album, he kind of bookmarked. He kind of, you know, bookends both both of it. And I, I, I... now you don't talk. Push me to the side. I've shown you love You never try If you don't want me, girl I've still got my ex Well, it feels like I'm falling Falling through the cracks speculating because he didn't really say this to me but i wonder if you know he was saying i I never achieved that well-known status like clapton or jeff beck or Jimi hendrix uh maybe i fell through the cracks but this is who i am you know i mean this is you know this is my contribution so 
everybody knows Savoy Brown. Yeah. Um, and and again, we you know, I mentioned in the in the intro that how many musicians went through the ranks backing uh, backing Kim, and uh, including oh. including yeah. the members of Foghat and uh, and Bill Bruford from from Yes. And, Dave Walker, yeah. Dave yeah. Walker was yeah. did some time with Black Sabbath and, and yeah. uh, Fleetwood Mac, yeah. Yeah. So his his influence rang far and and wide. Kim announced that that he had an aggressive form of cancer um, yeah. to the world back in last August. Yeah. August 2022. When when did you guys uh, and his inner circle find out? Well, it was um, it was some time before that because yeah, yeah. he had been dealing with it for I, I want to say I want to say about ten months before that because okay. we had done a gig actually with Foghat in uh -huh. uh, in twenty twenty one we played the Arcada you know the Arcada I do yeah Chicago. yeah I'm talking with uh, with Leo Sayer um, who's going to be at the Arcada. Uh, Ron Onesti is uh, is a is a friend uh, next week. Yeah, I love that. I love that theater. That's the cool. cool it's a, you know, I, I uh, just as a, as a quick aside here, I got I got a uh, uh, a guided tour by of all people Steve Fawson, uh, the, oh, yeah? uh, the bass player from Art, uh, who who knew chapter and verse about about the founding and the building and the history of of really? that theater. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. Steve Steve was great. But that, well, but I'm sorry. Back to back to Kim. Well, we had done that gig, I think, in August of 2021. It was shortly after that. We were maybe I don't know a month later or so. We were going to go on the road, and uh, we had some road dates. Can't remember where it was exactly. Mm -hmm. We were going, but Pat and I went out to uh, load the gear at, at Kim's place, and mm -hmm. uh, and. Kim couldn't even get out of bed, and I said, oh. "I said, man, something's seriously wrong, Kim." You, you, and so, anyway, uh, he went to the hospital that night, and um, they knew something was up. That you know, it's very serious. Uh, you know, that that next day or something. So, but it wasn't. I don't know exactly when his diagnosis was, mm -hmm. um, but it was in that time frame. So, maybe September, October. Time but it, it took him. It took him rather quickly right yeah about a year about a year and a half and, yeah, uh, yeah it was it was a very <laughs> aggressive form of uh cancer and um but you know i have to say mm -hmm. i i always thought that he would he was so tenacious that guy i always thought ah he'll bounce back he'll bounce back you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh he, and he worked right up right up till the end you know about a week before he went into the hospital he had sent wow. me some demos and said listen to these things i'm thinking about <laughs> these and and uh so i mean really he was so uh just just very tenacious and so the the quote from buddy guy uh really is based in truth about about a guitar player doesn't retire they just drop oh yeah right yeah definitely yeah. definitely um, that, what, that was kim so so when was blues all around finished so uh yeah so what happened was 
I'll tell you a brief story about it. It, uh-huh. it was di- it was different for us. We had always recorded live, at least since I've been in the band. Okay. We always recorded live. Um, that's how Kim preferred to do it. And uh, so this time, though, uh-huh. he wasn't feeling a hundred percent. We didn't. He didn't think he could do long hours in the studio. So what he did was he had some demos, and he sent these demos to each Pat, myself, and Ron Keck, uh, the uh, sound engineer at Mm -hmm. Subcat, where we recorded. And we all studied them for a bit, and we talked about them. You know, we would conference call and talk about them. Kim had already done some guitar work and uh, vocal work on them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pat and myself went in together without Kim. And what we did was we played over those demos. Mm -hmm. And we had never done that before. So that was a new experience for us. You can't, you can't tell. I mean, I, I, it's, it's such a cohesive and solid album from top to bottom, uh, rhythm, drums, uh, guitar. It's, it's fluid and seamless, man. to announce i believe that pat and i were the longest running rhythm section (laughs) that's ever been in the band so (laughs) i think from being together for so long we did have you had some you know you have some intuitions about what's coming you know what i mean you can hear you can hear the little changes that that are happening and you oh kim usually does this you know you can i think it's more of a subconscious thing but yeah you can can pick up on these little things and so uh, I think Kim came in the second day we were recording and gave us some advice, added some things. I think he did some uh, organ work that day and harmonica maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had some ideas about percussion stuff that I talked with him about and he was open to. I, I think two days uh, of just, that's just the basic tracks. Uh, but, uh, and then, you know, we, so we all, we were all in the studio only once uh, during the whole process. So wow. it was a little different for us. It was enjoyable though. It was, uh, it came off pretty good. I think it came, I think it worked out pretty good. So it's, a, it's an astounding album. So Robert Berry, who worked with Keith Emerson, uh, has been on the show a couple of times, three, four times, I think. And and then I just had a, a great conversation with Dennis Dyken, uh, another East Coast boy, by the way, uh, yeah. from the uh, from the Smithereens. They just, re- the Smithereens just released a lost album with, uh, with Pat Denizio um, mm-hmm. that they recorded uh, in between record contracts back in 1994, I think. 
which just sort of adds this dimension of of a life after a musical artist has left this world that that their music still endures and that there's still fresh music there's more music to be released right yes uh what i've been telling people is uh, I like to think that there's another Savoy Brown album out there. Kim certainly, mm-hmm. Kim has enough material to probably release a couple albums if, <laughs> if, if we dug deep enough, for sure. I know he's got some stuff that's nearly finished as far as his demos. Uh, but my caveat is, I've been saying, uh, if it's going to be done, it's got to be done right. Yeah. Done with the same kind of intensity and fortitude that he would have put into it. So, yeah, Absolutely. You know, we're going to have to spend some time on it. And I hope that I'm invited to play on it. <laughs> 45 albums, man, um, of all fresh, unique, interesting material that never he he, he never repeated or uh, fell into cliches. It was all you, you kind of get get the sense that he that he was trying to to cover the blues world. Yeah. With music. Well, he definitely was a creative giant. And yeah, he was. Sort of, and it is kind of emotional for me to to hear the record. I, I've, I've listened to it several times, but there's uh-huh. been a few times where I just was so sad that, yeah. you know, that I thought, I just can't believe that, you know, that uh, this is going to be the last one that he was physically here to to be a part of you yeah know? uh you know it does it does strike you in the heart a little bit uh, i'm sure for me, for me. I'm and sure. um but he he was so creative and uh, uh i really think that uh the world should know how creative he was i mean i really yeah. think that he was up there with the best of the best um, mm-hmm. um you know i always say you know if kim wanted to he could have he could have talked all day about you know the places he's been and the people wow. he's, he's impacted and uh how he was on the cutting edge of rock and roll and uh the songs he's written but you know what he was never like that he was just, he really approached uh when you talk to him you just got kim and uh he had this you know english reserve uh, you know, uh, and he was very humble when you talked to him. You wouldn't wow. know that you were talking to a guy that, you know, that was contemporaries with, you know, Hendrix and Cream and, yeah. and Stan yeah. Webb from Chicken Shack and all these guys that he he was really contemporaries with, and um, you know, and, and, and knew and knew them personally. You know, yeah, you know, he played the film or he played Carnegie Hall, you know, I mean, I mean, he played just every venue you can imagine that was, you know, you know, and he was so humble. It was, I wish you could can that and spray it on some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, music lives on. Uh, by the way, I, I had, uh, when we were doing the radio show uh, with Carrie Kendall, um, we had, uh, we had members of canned heat on and, oh, yeah. uh, and they still, uh, so it's virtually a different band from from the original. I think, I think maybe maybe Except it, it for is. The drummer, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so yeah. they still tour. So is is that in the cards for for Savoy Brown? 
and how would you even start filling those yeah. shoes as a guitar player, as a powerhouse guitar player? Well, I, I don't think you can. I think yeah, I think yeah. that um, you know, if we're talking about maybe doing a tribute here or there or another album, okay, yeah. you know, but this is somebody who I think Kim was the only guy, the only band he's ever been in is Savoy Brown. And yeah. he started it. He wrote all the songs, played on, on every gig, recorded every album. I, I don't know how you can, yeah, you can, you can't replace that. And um, well, maybe so, it's too soon. Yeah, it's definitely too soon to talk about something like that. But, yeah. you know, uh, I, I like to think the legacy is going to be there uh, for sure. Uh, uh -huh. But, uh, but I don't know that you can, re you can't replace Kim. So, uh you know, I'm I'm not sure what what the what the future would be for something like that. Did he choose the pacing of of the new album? Um, it it starts off it starts off with this, like you said, sort of front porch kind of uh short, very short tune, a, a tease basically, uh, right. falling through, and then jumps off into a rocking Blackheart. But then Kim delivers on that opening promise, as you said, with falling through the cracks. How how did that opening come about, and uh, and what did he? What was he instrumental in in the pacing of the album? Yeah, he, that was all him. I okay. Mean, he, okay. He would he would ask us for advice. Okay. But um, but he definitely uh, that was him for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think he, you know, there was a sense. I I think there was a sense of urgency with this one uh, yeah, for him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so. He was working on it quite a bit. I remember a few times he had called Pat and I with the running. What he wanted to do is he said, if you were going to do this, what was your what would your running order be? So we each submitted our ideas. But, you know, of course, Kim had his. He's got a vision. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. So, you know, that ended up how it ended up was how he had thought it, you know, how he had thought it through. So. I'm going to end the the uh, the piece with Winning Hand, which is uh, my current favorite off of yeah. uh, off the album. Um, do you have a favorite song off the album? Well, um, that's and you can't one. say I all gotta... of them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, okay, I won't say all of them, but there's there's two of them that okay. really for me uh, stuck out. One is uh, Texas Love. I love the. I love I love those kind of shuffles and uh, yeah. uh, his guitar tone was so raunchy and raw. I yeah, I, I enjoy. For me, I thought that was fun. But and I remember the you know the amp was wide open. I was like, oh my god, this thing's so loud, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Stars above Ain't no one around 
The other one is uh, California Days Gone By. Oh, yeah. Which I, think, I think is kind of autobiographical for Tim. Um, but it was a fun story in that uh, when he sent the demos to us, it, we all started to talk uh, amongst each, to each other because uh, he had a, um, it was about, you know, a rock band, presumably Savoy Brown, hanging mm-hmm. out in California. And he mentions Janis Joplin in there, and um, uh, you know he mentions a few artists and mm-hmm. hanging out on Sunset Strip, and uh, but the demo had kind of a country flavor to it, yeah. and I yeah. and we were thinking, I'm not sure that this matches the lyric. So uh, the fun part for Pat and I were, I remember Kim saying, "Geez, I hope we can keep this thing because he really liked the." the song the lyrics. Uh-huh, uh-huh. uh pat and i just started playing grooves and ron put his finger on the record button and he would give us some advice and say no 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 you know <laughs> uh, try this try that and we so what you're hearing on the record was our final version of how we thought it would sound uh to match a rock and roll band from the 60s up with you know the music we tried to match the music with the lyrics so that i do have to say that was i'm kind of I'm kind of, you know, uh, that's one of my favorites because of that. Tribute Blues All Around is the latest outstanding album from Savoy Brown, uh, and hopefully not the last. The website is SavoyBrown.com. Garnet Grimm is the drummer for that auspicious and legendary group. Thank you, brother. Uh, this was this was wonderful, and and thank you for um, for the candid memories. And uh, um, I, I know it's it's still fresh, and it, it it's got to be. Um, it's got to be hard for you sometimes. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. it's really hard. But, you know, we're going to try and make this good for Kim. And uh, it's doing very well. Yeah. Um, it's doing very well. So we're all pretty happy with the way it is right now. Um, can I mention that, please, anybody that's listening, please. if you want to know more about Savoy Brown, please go to the Savoy Brown website. SavoyBrown.com, mm-hmm. and you can see a uh, history of the band. You can see a discography. You can see some of Kim's artwork. He was also a painter, and um, you know, and records are available there, merchandise. So uh, please go there. And, nice, uh, and we'll post a link to that in the notes below, uh, so right. people can uh, 
can hear your voice, but uh, but if if they can't write it down, they can they can go right to the uh, to the to the notes on the page and uh, and click on an easy link. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. This was this was wonderful. And uh, you know, uh, I, again, uh, my condolences. But um, this, I, I I think I think we did well. Especially you did well. Um, you and Pat did well in um, crafting a, a brilliant tribute to a great man. So. Oh, wonderful, wonderful! Thank you so much. Kind words. All I did